Episode of T.O. and Frankie J. Episode 4. Is it 4 or 5? 4. We're flying through. We're flying through. We're having a good season. We're excited. It's, it's getting fun. More fun every time. And as usual, we'll start off with the useful fact of the day by T.O. And then T.O. will open the show with his topic that he wants to discuss and get made fun of about. And why don't we go ahead, T.O. And why don't we, you know, so we're not wasting time, get you, get you, uh, get you going here with your useful... All right. In fact, and we've been getting a lot of compliments about them as well. In fact, so that's good. I was going to say the show's only becoming more fun because we're getting more listeners. I'm talking. People are catching on. It's, it's great. So get into your useful fact and let's have more fun. And 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 everybody out there listening, please keep sending in the messages. We're we're loving it. All Go right. ahead, Tio. It's all yours, buddy. All right. Here's the useful fact. One percent of children. <laughs> I'm interfering with you. How's it, it feel? Wasn't you. That was the fan. How's it feel with you? I love it. Okay. Go ahead. One percent of children. Report ab- abuse or neglect. One percent of children. And that was in 2018. That was the latest stat, and that's coming from the National Statistics on Child. Okay, so abuse. you said one percent of children report abuse or neglect. Report. I'm writing this down. That totaled like. So what age group? Uh, children. So you're looking at. Like anything from five to thirteen. Yeah, probably five to sixteen. I would say. Okay, so. And that's. They're who are they reporting this to? That's reported. To who? Child services. So what's done about it? Did you get any information on what's being done about it? Or are they just kind of letting it go under the rug like everything else they do with it? Pretty much letting it go under the rug. Sad, isn't it? Yeah, because, I mean, it's a catch-22. You know, I take the kids away from the parents a lot of times. Unbelievable. You know, I'm a Dr. Phil fan. You know that. I know I get made fun of. But you know what? They did an episode one time on how bad this children being abused is. There was this one episode where... These two kids were adopted, and from day one, the adoptive parents locked these kids in separate closets, chained them, no clothes, fed them can, uh, scoops of uh, vegetable shortening with seasoning on it to keep them alive, would drip water into a crack, and then they had two other kids that were their blood kids that were treated like regular kids. And they kept these kids for like six years, and Children Protection Services was called multiple times. 22, I think it was. Wow. They went in that home, and they couldn't find anything wrong. And these kids finally had to escape. And now these two parents are in prison for a long, long time. And, and that goes to show you how bad. Well, it's bad. Look at what there was. They were pulling out all those kids in Virginia. It's out of hand. And all that. Out of. There's something wrong. There's something missing. And to me, having a, you know, a son of my own, 13 years old, it, it, it baffles me that he could just be standing waiting for the bus and as fast as lightning a van could pull up and swipe him, and you'll never see him again. That happens quite often. It's it. Didn't you say well, every three seconds or every four seconds a child one, abducted? One of the shows it was one three seconds. That's, it's a disturbing, scary thing, and, and I really pray and hope that, that our government and our officials maybe get together on that and make more talk about things that are more important than what they're arguing about now. That's a good fact. That's why it's good to know who's living in your neighborhood when your kids are playing outside. Uh, yeah, you know what? My <laughs> wife uh, gets annoyed with me because I'm a real big protector of the four walls that I'm within. I know my neighborhood. If I see people acting sketchy, I make sure I walk out there and make my presence right. known. I walk by them a few times, give them that you're not going to mess around here look. I'm naturally protective. I'm a survivor. I've had to protect myself my whole life. 
So I can read body language and I assure that people aren't going to mess with my place because I've put my stamp down and you've done the same thing with your house. Sure. You can tell when somebody's out of place. Yeah. And you can tell when somebody's not going to take shit. Okay. If they got, you know, NWA stickers in their windows and, um, you know, they're avid hunters and they come home every winter with a deer on the top of their truck. That's probably one house you're not going to fuck with. Or, ah, that's the swear jar. It is. Oh, you know what, guys? Me and T.O. discussed this. It's a family-friendly oh. show. It's a family-friendly show, and him and I discussed that we we have a, a Bills vase, a, a 1990s Bills vase that my dead brother gave me uh, shortly before he died. And I told him before we started recording today. Well, for that, the fans who don't know, what did your brother pass away from? My, my brother was severely disabled. Um, he had a lot of problems, cerebral palsy, mental retardation. He was handicapped. He had a mentality of a three-year-old. He had grandma seizures on a daily basis, usually one, two, three, four sometimes. He'd, um, but he lived 43 years. And that was your best buddy. He was my little brother my whole life. He never, you know, he, he was always three years old. So mm-hmm. every year for Christmas, people don't understand the struggles of having to buy gifts for a three-year-old every year. You run out of things to buy. Yeah. And I could understand him. He couldn't talk. He could not talk. He would moan, groan, use hand signals. But he was so close with me that I could understand him. But in any event, sometimes when he would have seizures, he would literally stop breathing. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't do anything about it. And he would turn purple sometimes. Well, one time he stopped breathing for forever. And I was woke up out of a dead sleep around 5 a.m. I was living home at the moment. I was an EM, uh, EMT in training and firefighter at the time. And I immediately started doing CPR. And it felt like forever. You get so tired because it's such a, it's tiring. Yeah. And I'll never forget that morning when finally the first cop that showed up did like a, a Dukes of Hazard swing over my brother who was laying on the floor, pushed me out of the way and started ramping hard doing compressions. And I had to start doing respirations and I didn't have one of those masks that go between. And when you get liquid that comes back up in your mouth. Oh, yeah. And it's your own brother who essentially was already dead in your hands before the cop got there. So that, that was a tough one to eat. That yeah. was a tough one. And not to mention the two weeks leading up to that moment, two other men died in my hands doing CPR. One was a cop's friend, or a friend who's of mine who's a cop. It was his brother. Hmm. And he died in the ambulance. That the was while you were in training? No, I was, I was a certified first responder oh, okay. at that time. Um, and... My uh, colleague and I uh, rode the ambulance to the hospital with a police escort, and he, he died on the way. So that was not a good week. And then a week before that, a Vietnam veteran that was well-known and respected here in the area, a real big dude, it was like 300 pounds, died. And I did CPR on him all the way to the VA hospital, and they announced him dead in my hands. Hmm. And then my brother. So I had a two-week period where three people died in my hands at CPR. One of which was my brother. So, needless to say, everybody who's listening, when I say that we're doing a show on mental health awareness, solutions, it's not only, you know, it's not me preaching. It's not me saying I know everything. It's just me sharing my story. I got lots of them. Yeah, and we like to hear them. I mean, it's real. I got talk. Real nightmares, real PTSD, Mm -hmm. real, real, um, I I downward spiraled after that in a huge way. Well, we didn't come on here to gas people up with, you know, pretend. Yeah. This is the real deal. We have real issues, and we deal with them. Uh, we try to deal with them correctly, we which I believe you. we have. Obviously, that it was 
it's devastating. So I had a rough time, but here you are. There was a four-year period to tell and everybody listening that I did, in fact, um, decide drinking half of a handle of vodka. You know what a handle is, right? Yep. The real cheap, big vodka that has handle. I would drink three-quarters of one of those a night. I was drinking 20, 20, 30 beers a day, no problem. I was giving all the cops here that were trying to support me and help me a hard time. They kept trying to find me and put me in the hospital. My firefighter brothers were chasing me around. I gave everybody a hard time. I was having really bad problems, and I didn't think anybody could help me. I, at that point, life didn't matter to me. I had nothing to look for at that point. That makes sense. I hit the wall, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I, I look back, and I still owe a nice thank you letter and a pizza luncheon for that police department that could have put me in jail a bunch of times. I mean, every time they could have put me in jail. Driving off the road, going in underneath on the bike path, bottle of vodka, smoking weed. Of you know, eluding them. So instead of putting you in jail, they, they put me they, in the hospital. They put you in the hospital. They put me in the hospital because they knew me. They most of them grew up with me, went to school with me, and they all knew what happened with my brother. Which people need to understand that happens a lot. It does. Police are usually the first line. They want to help you. Yeah. They don't want to take you to jail. Mostly they don't. They really don't. And and I'll I'll speak from experience. Every even cops that I've had issues with, like sure, there's personal a few. issues with that I you know I I have squashed. That you've given it to. Um. <laughs> At the end of the day, their job is to come in and try to resolve, diffuse, rectify the situation as quick as possible and push it on to the next level of authority. So when you come into a situation like that, they want to get that person in the hospital, first and foremost. They're trained to show compassion. I was having problems, and they knew why I was having problems. I was one of the firefighters that had like an 89% um, show-up rate when there was calls. They had percentages. Yep. You were required to hit 15% of your calls a month. I was hitting like 100 almost. I was there all the time. I loved it. Loved it. Couldn't get yeah, enough of it. became part of the family. And I, I loved it. I was doing all the cooking. I was the cook for the softball games. I became part of something. I enjoyed it. It was a brotherhood. And after my brother died, I slowly and surely stopped showing up for calls. Started drinking. And they uh, knew it. And everybody knew it. Yeah. And... Thank God they all jumped in and they chased me around for weeks, months, to get me help. And I would fuck with them. I would stay on the phone for all, ah, two hours in the swear jar. Let me get the jar. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's break it in. We're going to get more swag. Anyways, anyways, to get back to the whole swear jar thing, him and I agreed that we want this to be friendly and, and, and verbally acceptable. And we decided that each and every time one of us swears, we put a dollar in the swear jar and we'll use that towards donations just for whatever because i don't want to swear it's not appropriate i i'll find the jar i owe two dollars hey if it's going to cost me money we're no we already know i'm not going to do it yeah well you're you're <laughs> you're uh edward deep pockets everybody that's listening to right all now, the people that know me know i'm not gonna do it to's got like 35 million dollars <laughs> buried not... in his floor at home with a two by four and a brick thinking it's safe and I ask him for a couple dollars towards equipment that I've spent thousands on. And he looks at me like, Whoa, I wouldn't I have never, picked it. I, would I wouldn't have bought off, that. I would never bury it there. I buried it at my worst enemy's house because that's the last place they'd look. <laughs> I, 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 I'm like, I didn't ask for that microphone. My head's not in the picture. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. You know, uh, uh, you know, just real issues. Here. He wants, he wants the, you know, the glory and the fame and the attention from all the groupies, but he doesn't want to pay any money. <laughs> just understand that, everybody. Frankie J is funding the show 99 percent. <laughs> And that's why I'm going to get on Dr. Phil, because Dr. Phil saved my life. Why? 
he's helped me multiple times over the course of 20 years, and I, I want to share my story with him. I don't care if people like him or not. I like his. I, I like want to hear his voice close up. I like his delivery. I like his firm. I like his. I don't. If you want to go great, if not, then whatever. He's very cut dry. Southern. I like that. That's why I like Judge Judy. Judge Judy's fantastic. She would hate me no matter what. I could have. I could walk in there and not say a word. She would tell me to shut up. <laughs> I just know she wouldn't like me. Now, That's Judge awesome. Millian from People's Court. Yep, I, I watch them all. She is the sexiest sixty-two-year-old woman I've ever. And my my wife knows this. Her husband's from Buffalo. She's my fantasy woman. Or worked here. Her and uh, I got two hotties that are old, that are cougars. That I like Millian is one of them, and the second one is. Oh, I forgot who you said. Oh, who was the second one? She was hot. You should remember Jennifer Aniston. How can you not put Jennifer Megan Aniston Fox in there? Megan Fox. I don't even know who she is. Anyways. He said he doesn't know who she is. What a good topic to bring up, T.O. I'm, I'm happy you brought that topic up because that's something that, you know, needs to be known, obviously. And I'm glad you brought that up. I'm sure everybody out there listening is glad you brought that up. Well, we're glad. I'm sure everyone listening is glad that you uh, open up and tell your stories. I, I want to tell my story. I want to thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. And, and the only way to help people is to share your story. If you don't share your story, it's not you're not going to fix yourself. You have to own your story. And the first part of getting better people and getting the proper help and accepting the help is ignoring what everybody says about you because they're not paying your bills. And don't point the blame at everyone else. Yep. It's time to and point don't, the finger at you. Yep. When you're ready, you'll you're ready. Um, anybody, you know, I've had a couple chats with people privately through Messenger and they've gotten my true, you know, sometimes it seems abrasive, but I, I'm, a real, I'm a realist and... The only way that I got help is I was told straight up, this is what will happen if you don't. This is what will happen if you do. And it's your choice. There was no straight up negotiation. Straight up, not to. You're either ready or you're not ready or you're just wanting to go the way you're going. You can't force somebody to want to get help. No, they have to want it. And my goal is to to get people to want to get help, to let them know they're not alone, right? Most people don't get help because they feel alone. A lot of people feel alone. They feel alone. They feel embarrassed. Um, whatever the case is. Especially and, now during COVID and all that. Oh, absolutely. Even, even prior to that. Absolutely. Too. Mental health is, is, is huge. It, it, it's actually, you know what, it's saddening to me to, to see just going to the drugstore to pick up prescriptions and, and everyone's got their masks on. And, and body language is, you know, a huge part of communication. And you can just read the body language on 8 out of 10 people that are in a store and they are just absolutely miserable miserable they don't want to be there they're annoyed it, it's it's taking a toll on a lot of people especially people that aren't working that are in the house together all day it's not a vacation right now it's a scary thing that's still going on um and i i pray it ends soon and we can get back to normal i, I the president's a president i'm ready to support him because i need i need to help so whoever our president I'm is an american so i'm gonna support i'm an american president is i'm an american i will support my president okay bottom line he, he got voted in, whatever. Sure. I, did I vote for him? No. But you know what? He's Doesn't our president matter. now. When Barack Obama became our president, I didn't vote for him, but I supported him because he was our leader. And the only way for a leader to be effective is that his country supports him. A lot of people voted for him. All right. I, I don't hate anybody. I had my preference, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, everybody should be entitled to their preference. Yep. And, and that's all it was. So I'm glad the election's over. I'm glad we can move on from that and that me and T.O. can get into some real topics here but um why don't we do this this is a good point maybe to kind of take a break to you we'll get ourselves a drink uh get a little organized here 
and we'll come back with my segment of the show. But um, stay tuned till the end of the show because we're going to announce um, and update everybody about the squares, uh, the payouts, and a couple future contest ideas we have. But um, we'll be right back here at the Steel and Frankie J Show. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. Pepsi, because I'm a Pepsi freak. I love Pepsi. So does T.O. He drinks a two-liter playing hockey. He can't drink water. <laughs> Tell him about your water real quick. Why you don't like water? My body just doesn't like water. I've had way too many years of drinking pop. I know you know me from back in the we day. Play we play hockey. We drink ho- Pepsi on the bench instead of water. I, I don't brush it. I don't. Under- I would drink a little Gatorade. On ice, ice I would drink the water because you can spit it right out. But there's no <laughs> So you don't like water? I Well, you can you need water. You How often do I drink a glass? You no. know what you should do is buy a bottle of Pedialyte once a week. That's very good. And and drink one bottle of that. Don't a week. worry, that's coming up on long goals. I use that on my lawn. Pedialyte's good. Yeah, it's good Many for vitamins and minerals. In especially that, for older people, like in their it's better than Gatorade. Forties and fifties and sixties because it's a it's a immediate hydration. Yep. And it, actually, the flavor's gotten a lot better since the old days. But um, I, I'm I'm happy about the 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 topic you brought up in your session there about the one for seven children that report abuse and neglect and nothing's done about it. It's quite sad. Um, you know, unbelievable. But kind of what I wanted to talk about, and I guess we could kind of twist it into what you had brought up. I wanted to talk about, you know, like teen adolescent depression and what a problem that is. And I think that's a big problem that's ignored. I, I really believe that depression and anxiety and mental health issues start at a young age. And it's pretty much once these children are getting out of like the fifth, you know, the uh, the fifth grade and getting into the middle schools and they're starting to go through the bodily changes and they start having, you know, loss of interest and sadness and activities. They become very emotional. They start having physical problems. And a lot of these issues, you know, by nature, if you really think about it, are, you know, mostly peer pressure, you know, the expectations that their families or teachers might put on them. Uh, their bodies, like I said earlier, are changing, and they got the symptoms of depression. And, and teen depression, it's not a weakness or something that, you know, can just be overcome with willpower. It, it, it's, it's, it's a serious thing that requires long-term treatment and from a young age. And, and for most of these teens, the depression that they're, or the symptoms that they're, experiencing medication and psychological help can can start the process and and some of the symptoms everybody if, if you're wondering uh teal you got a young child do you yes and i want to chime in on this yeah, i yeah. think a lot of it today has to do with the lack of playing with your friends outside i, and, I agree and a lot of judgment on social media mm-hmm. You have your social media pages. You have to be the best. You have to get the most blah, blah, blah. You Simply to, the best. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's a lot of pressure for kids. Like sure is. Pressure for us back then, or 
How many goals am I going to score while I'm playing street hockey? If you don't have that pair, if you don't have that pair of Nike sneakers, you're sure. not cool. It's anything and everything can put a kid down. Yeah. So yeah, it's crazy. You're right. But um, you know, I, I wanted to bring this up because you do have a young child who's five, and you know she's going to be a teen, and a lot of the symptoms that parents or guardians don't really look for, you know, include things like the change from the teenager's previous attitude to a behavior that causes like significant problems in school or at home even where he's starting to get in trouble at school or he comes home and he's defiant or whatever um and and, and social activities like he might be fighting his teammates on a football team or or whatever there's a lot of signs that people don't yeah and then they go through the emotional changes and you know, nobody's really ever on alert for, for these things like feelings of sadness when a kid looks sad. I mean, there's a reason for everything. Frustration when they get angry. Feeling hopeless or empty, irritable. They're annoyed all the time. They're slamming their doors. They lose interest in normal activities that they used to love. They don't want to be around their friends or family. Their self-esteem hits the floor. They, you know, they just, they feel guilty all the time. And, and they, they fixate on past failures with things that they took blame for that they shouldn't have. They, they they get sensitivity to rejection or failure. They can't think right. They can't concentrate correctly. They make decisions, and and it's based on things they remember that aren't good. And you know, they with them having an ongoing sense that life in the future are grim and bleak. There, and that's without starts, the medicine. That's without medicine. Then you start adding, uh, uh, yep, medicine on top of that for teenagers. If they have to, if they start at a young age, this is why I know a lot of people who know me say, well, T.O., you were always against, you know, medicine. But that was for for kids. And let me tell you why. Because it it constantly needs to be adjusted. Mm -hmm. It needs to be, you can't just give it to them and and walk away. It it takes a lot of time. And then what happens when that kid, Good point. if you start them at 15, what happens now when they're 40? What strong dose do they have to take? No, it's not like that. Is that how that works? Well, here's how it's supposed to work, okay? And does it work like this all the time? (laughs) No. I went through the process. There was days, T.O., in the last five years where I was taking 32 pills in the morning, 32 at night. Or people start feeling better and then they stop taking. Okay, and that <laughs> happens too. What has to happen and what I did and what finally is working for me at the moment is I communicated more thoroughly with my, my providers. I didn't just go in for 10 minutes, talk to them, and then wait three months to talk to them again. I keep a dialogue. Through more one-on-one person. One-on-one the through the portal. You like can we email. used to have. And I communicate how I feel. Can I stop this medication? And I've trimmed my medications down by three quarters. And it's all about communication. It's all about trial and error. I went through a couple MS infusions, one of which almost killed me. I had an allergic reaction, almost died, stopped breathing. I didn't know because I've never taken it. It was the second one. So after three hours of a needle being in my arm, I stopped breathing, almost died. Now I go every six months and I sit for eight hours and get an infusion and I'm sick for three months after that. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. But, you know, another thing that these parents and, and other parents and guardians don't look for is, is changes in behavior. I mean, kids, if they go from happy-go-lucky chipper and always in a good mood to all of a sudden they're nasty or whatever, they, they'll change eating, they won't eat, their appetite will change. They'll start even dabbling with alcohol and drugs. They might find pills in the house. Their thinking and speaking and their body movements are that of anger. And, you know, the list goes on. 
they start isolating they start performing less in school they get angry at nothing yeah they're acting out and worst case scenario if it gets bad enough they'll start, start self-harming and cutting and whatever you know and 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 they're making suicide plans so really it's got it's got to be addressed if a kid's got an issue it's got to be followed through with don't just give them a pill you gotta you gotta use the parent to communicate they have a guardian communicate what you, you notice them. you gotta talk to your children you gotta talk to them. you got to talk to your children every day ask them how they feel, feel. Yeah. take the time to be a parent and, I, and i'm not saying that in a real way everyone listening i'm telling you that if you want to get your child right from the beginning sure. You got to talk to them. Because remember when you were a right. child, you're not going to go up to your father, yep. or your mother, you're afraid yep. a little bit. I don't know how, I mean, that's yep. how I was. I yep. wouldn't talk personal stuff. It's not the way I was raised. Well, it's a new age now. And unfortunately, people have to start communicating. And, you know, there's a lot of causes outside of what people would think that, that make these children start having mental issues. It could be their brain chemistry. I mean, neurotransmitters, they're, they're naturally occurring in the brain and chemicals that they carry signals and to the other parts of the brain and the body sure. and so you know, you're saying other than like a divorce or a trauma right and and hormones some kids you know food i would put in this cause yeah it could diet, diet. um some kids go through puberty sooner than a normal kid some girls it, it handles everybody handles it differently and it feels it, it could be inherited it could be depression you know from the womb like i said in an earlier episode they start hearing and feeling tension when they're in the womb oh, sure and you know early childhood trauma it's like in the wild kingdom yeah. where does the mother go when she needs to give birth she goes yep. to a quiet spot yep by herself a so she's not attacked yep. and b so there's less stress on the baby and, and and these last two that i jotted down is early childhood trauma they might have seen their parents fighting every day physical yeah. abuse emotional abuse drinking alcohol learned patterns you become a product of your environment Try looking at it through the eyes of your child. Yep, and, and you got to flip the script sometimes. And and I encourage anybody out there listening, please message in. Let's talk. Um, you know, we we're all in this together. I'm not putting myself above anybody or below anybody. I'm just letting you know that I'm on a mission to, to help. Yeah, throw your life experiences out if you want. We'll keep it anonymous. I, totally one hundred. Oh yeah, absolutely. I want to hear your stories, and if I can help you, I, I'm going to help you. But everybody's involved, and, and and the thing is, and there's always going to be complications. Okay. Because as kids get into their teens, they're going to be exposed to more things like drugs and alcohol. They're going to have more academic problems, Hormones family conflicts, radical. relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend, breakups, involvement with even going as bad as the juvenile system and, and, and suicide attempts. So there's, there's prevention steps that people don't realize. Take steps, parents and guardians, to control the stress, increase resilience. And boost the self-esteem. Help those children handle their issues. Talk to them. Motivate them. Reach out for friendship and social support. There's groups all over the place for people that are having these issues. Yeah. Talk about it. So Compare stories. You're not alone. Yep. And then get treatment and an early sign of the problem. And consistently stay with treatment and maintain that treatment. And do what you're told and communicate. Open a dialogue. Follow up. And follow up. And, and those are, you know, that's what I wanted to talk about today. Because it's, the numbers are staggering, and, and I'd rather start at the bottom where it starts and, you know, and, and, and put my, my part in. Right, what do you think, Tio? Do you have any questions that I might be able to answer? No, not really. I really like the uh, the topic. I would, well, I was thinking that it, most of the stuff happened after traumas, but... Not all the time? Not all the time. 
I, I'll tell you right now, looking back on my life, I've been able to process it finally. I was, I was doomed from the womb. Um, my father was That's a verbal a attitude because no, you're not. Look I'm not anymore. Brain. I'm not anymore. Okay, good. But when I was, before I was even born, I was exposed to my father's verbal, emotional, and maybe physical abuse. So you were not doomed at the womb because you used tools. Well, I had to survive. And well, yeah, we sur all have to survival survive. mode kicked in as soon as I knew how to pull my own pants up. Okay. And for 35 years, I was in survival mode and I'm getting out of that still. Well, we're staying positive. We're not doing well, that. No, no, we're going, we're going positive. I'm, I'm happy we're doing this you show. Made great strides. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful we're doing this show. And, and I hope people out there listening are thankful too. Because you know what? I'm working hard on it. I'm very diligent. Tia will tell you I always work. I always work. I'm always working, right? Those of us are slackers. I don't stop. Tia, no, Tia, you work hard. You work a good job. You take care of your family. I know I joke around with you, but you're 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 a working man. Oh, well, we both work. I work nonstop. It. When I get committed to something, I'm gonna work. If I get a message on Facebook from somebody that has a question, I'll answer it usually immediately. And if I like something, I'm yep. OCD to the max. I yep. can't stop thinking about and, it. So. And and everybody, don't forget, um, our football squares are filled. We are going. Well, To is going to. Yeah, I think we got to do it live so they don't. We're we're gonna pick the numbers live. We're gonna have a, a not you know a middle person here that's gonna actually pick the numbers so there's no confusion. Yep. And then what we'll do is we will put a copy of it up on Facebook or Twitter for you guys to print and have. But I, I'm glad we got into some of these topics. There's something there for everyone to think about on the way out. If you have any questions, concerns, ideas about what we had talked about on today's show, feel free to message in at the TL and Frankie J show at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, Facebook. You can message us and leave reviews on any of the platforms that we're on. Yeah, Apple. we put lives up all the time. We're putting, check them out if you're not on yep. Facebook. We're on Facebook Live now. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Breaker, Google, all these different. We're on eight of the platforms. So we're Tell really the good news. What's the good news? The good news about Apple, real quick. Oh, we got an email from an Apple just to executive today, and we wanted to thank. We were told today that we're number one hundred and seventy-three. That we've made officially made the rankings of the Apple podcast in the improv category, and that's impressive that's for us. 